marketing expert Nikki Bosch. 702 Weekend Breakfast with Gugs Msungu. Standing in for Filwe Mpakanyani. Let's walk the talk. It's 12 minutes after 8 o'clock. Joined on the line by Nikki Bosch, who's a human potential and parenting expert. And this week we're discussing how parents can encourage independence in their children. Nikki, good morning and welcome to the show. Hello, Gug. Always a pleasure to have you on the show. Why is encouraging independence in children so important? And when we say independence, what exactly do we mean? Gug, there are so many ways that parents can encourage independence. And, you know, while we love and adore them and the thought of sending them out into the big wide world is a daunting one, we do need to let out the kite strings little by little, increasing the space between us because this gives them opportunities to experience themselves apart from us and they learn to appreciate what they have with us but also that they can function independently too. Hmm. Is this, uh, for instance, why um, alone time is important for kids? Is that, a, is that about independence? Mm, not specifically, but alone time is important. Mm -hmm. Children need to become comfortable with their own company. So that is an important part of being okay with who you are, you know. And children today are at risk of not knowing how to be alone because when we say be alone, (laughs) it could be being alone without another human being in your room, Mm -hmm. but what about being alone without a piece of tech? in your room Mm -hmm. and what happens when you don't have the tech as the babysitter and the entertainer um you know can you actually conjure up fun by yourself and are you happy in your own company so i want to park that piece of the conversation because it's not central to to the topic today but Mm -hmm. i think it is an important one to consider Mm -hmm. but what i mean by independence is A little bit like, you know, Khalil Gibran in his book, The Prophet, speaks about let there be spaces in your togetherness. And I think that often as parents, we don't understand what that means. So let's look at it really practically. How can we encourage children to use their independence, to experience their independence by building in a little bit of space in our togetherness? And here are the practical pieces. So allowing your children to sleep over at friends and family whom you trust and who they're comfortable with and then reciprocate those experiences. So within your inner circle of close family and close friends, it's really a clever thing to do this from an early age. And actually, if I think back to my own children and I'm one of those fortunate people to have my whole family living in Joburg, Mm -hmm. I think my my babies were sleeping over with my parents uh, from the age of about nine months on the odd occasion. So when children do spend time in other people's homes, um, you know, they get to realize that different homes are different, they operate differently, but they learn how to adjust, how to adapt, and how to be okay if you're not there, whether it's a few hours because it's a play date or whether it's overnight because it's a sleepover. So these sorts of things are really important. And then we look at allowing children to participate in activities. Um, And these days, 
you know, even in preschool, when children are at preschool all day because their parents have a full-time job, Mm -hmm. they participate in activities after school. And in primary school as well, um, for children to do activities when you're not always on the sidelines. Now, this is a very interesting concept because on another day, you and I might be talking about the fact that it's important to show up for your child's school play and to be there on the sidelines of the soccer field or the cricket pitch or whatever because your kids need to know that you're participating in their lives, that you're supporting them. But they also need to do some activities where you're not necessarily present Mm -hmm. because there is a trap that children and parents can fall into. And that is that children always look to the sidelines to see if the parents saw what they did. So there's this constant need for acknowledgement and validation. And what we want is for kids to be fully immersed in activities for the activity's sake, not just to please you. So be careful of your children always needing to please you. Can they do activities where they please themselves? And you and I spoke quite recently about um, mixing and matching games and toys and construction toys and making a space where your kids can continue playing Mm -hmm. beyond the hour over a couple of days. That's also an opportunity for children to get into their own little world and just do things because it rewards them just by the doing. And Gooks, there's another big one here. And this is for the parents of five, six, seven-year-olds. Please allow your child to walk to their classroom alone after the first few weeks or so in the school year. They can do it. And we need to let them go to do it for themselves. This is particularly in that sort of grade grade one, grade two, um, where your children really are starting to realize who they are without you. Mm-hmm. And once they know the ropes of how to walk from the car to the classroom, let them do it by themselves. It's important that they take ownership of the school space because remember from the time the school bell rings in the morning to the time it rings in the afternoon you are not there to tell them what to do to guide them in making the best choices for themselves school is their place and they need to own it and then while we're talking about school let's talk about school tours and camps and those start from about grade five onwards mm-hmm. where children have the opportunity to go on school tours and school camps and it's tough for parents when children go the first time it really is tough Um, but it's a very very important step for children to take and sometimes parental anxiety gets in the way and children are infected by their parents anxiety and then they don't want to go so we need to help our children to build up their confidence in being their own person and standing in their own space without you incrementally. And you need to believe that they will be okay, even if you have a quiet weep in the car after dropping them off. And I must tell you that that's something I did on a number of occasions when my children went off on their first school tours and camps. I remember sitting in my car and having a quiet weep. And it's a mixture of feelings of loss and separation, especially for mothers, as well as pride in their braveness to go. Mm. 
You were saying a little bit earlier on that it's also quite important for your kids to, for instance, if they're going to sleep over at someone you trust or a family member or a friend, it's quite important for them to do something without you being there. And it kind of made me think of this idea of object permanence, that uh, you, you, you let your kids do this thing, whatever it is, the play date, the sleepover, the activity, and you're not there. But um, I guess in some way they also need to kind of learn that even though mom or dad or gran is not here, they still love me. They, you know, they, I, I haven't been abandoned. Um, they, you know, I'm still, I'm still part of the family. I'm still okay even though they're not here right now. Yes, I'm still me. I'm still me. And I think you raised such a very important point here. I think object permanence is a lovely way to put this. That out of sight does not mean out of mind. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't mean you won't be there tomorrow or after school or picking them up from the play date that you will appear again, <laughs> you know. Yeah. It's exactly that. I love that analogy of object permanence. Mm. So while we're on that topic, um, you know, in terms of being there at the end of the process to collect them or the school tour, I mean, it's, it's so exciting when your children get off the bus from a school tour. They're so excited to see you. You're so excited to see them. And then it's hearing all about the adventure, the adventure of what happened in the in-between times when they weren't with you. But please, please remember that parental anxiety can be so infectious and so toxic that it can derail this process of acquiring independence. Mm. So, for example... When your children are spending time with other people, maybe, maybe it's a weekend away with another family, maybe it's a play date, maybe it's a sleepover, it's fine for you to keep in touch with them from time to time. And interestingly, often on school tours, the, um, especially in the younger years, the, the grade five, six or sevens, the school asks the parents not to phone their children all the time or the school takes the cell phones and puts them away because the parental anxiety over the phone can spark off an anxiety attack in children. Mm. So while, you, while it's okay to keep in touch, and I say this here from time to time, or with the parents of the child with whom they're staying, if you're concerned, be careful of not transferring the separation anxiety onto your child because it can very quickly erode their newfound confidence and it can sow seeds of doubt. And I can tell you I've experienced this so much over the years. When a child came to spend the night who was perfectly content and then the mum has phoned to check in on the child and insist on speaking to the child especially just before bedtime. <laughs> and the next minute, this perfectly okay child wants to go home. Mm. So I say, don't phone just before bedtime. Pick your moments or you may just sabotage their growth. And how do you balance, so for instance, like what you're saying, so don't transfer your separation anxiety, your fears, your perhaps your sadness about, you know, especially if this is their first sleepover, the first trip, that you, it's the first time you'll be without them, you know, being careful about transferring your feelings onto them, but also wanting to 
um, make sure they're safe, especially, for instance, if it's a school trip and it's a camp. Um, and you just want to make sure you don't want to alarm them, but you also just want to say, look, if you're not feeling comfortable, if you're not feeling okay, if something is not right, let me know. How sure. do you kind of, you know, balance that? Because I do, you know, that you don't want to freak them out, but Absolutely. especially if they're away, you know, how do you also make sure that they know if something isn't okay, that they can say, look, I'm, I'm not feeling comfortable, I'm not sure. feeling safe. Absolutely. So it's essential to give your children plan B. Plan B is for a what-if moment. If you're not feeling well while you're on a school camp, if you're not feeling comfortable, if something's happening that's not good, what is plan B? And plan B, you already need to identify who is the teacher that they connect well with. That's going to be their first port of call before connecting with you. They need to also try and resolve their issues by themselves. Now, obviously, if, if the sky falls in, then they go to plan C, which is you. <laughs> but, but they need to know what their first port of call is going to be. And that's what you do when you first send them off to school. Mm-hmm. You know, you say to them, you're going to school. I'm going to work. If you have a problem while you're at school, if you feel sick, this is the person you need to go to. First of all, you speak to your teacher, and then your teacher is going to send you to the school secretary, and she's going to take you to the sick bay. And then the nurse will check you out, and if it's really, if you really need a doctor, the nurse will phone me. Otherwise, she's going to look after you until I fetch you at lunchtime. Mm-hmm. So as long as you walk your child through the scenario plan they will generally be fine. Mm -hmm. What I've found is that if parents haven't walked their children through the plan and their children don't know what to do when something goes south, that's when they panic. So giving them plan B usually obviates the need for a panic. And of course, with schools, they're usually very, very good. They will let the parents know a WhatsApp group is usually created for updates on what's happening on the camp, what's happening on the tour. We've arrived safely. All the children are safely, you know, in their dorms or the tents have been pitched. Um, And if there are any issues, they are usually very, very good at communicating with the parents. So Mm -hmm. it's unusual um, when things, when there is a problem. It's unusual for communication not to take place. And I know parents can get themselves really, really anxious because of the one or two isolated events that they see and hear about in the press where things go really wrong. Mm. But take some comfort in the fact that they really go wrong. We received a WhatsApp message on this topic, and this is, we can take a listen. Morning, Nikki, it's Shanae here. I need to know, how can I stop my daughter from being a people pleaser she is nine years old and she gives other kids her stuff to regain you know to get, to have the friendship with them it is it become it's becoming such a problem that her i don't know how many times a month i have to replace certain stationaries and her stuff she just gives them to other children to have this friendship how do i stop my daughter from that i've downloaded books and showed her videos of no uh, ways of not being there's no need to be a people pleaser but 
It's like it's falling on deaf ears. What can I do? Gosh, that's an interesting call. Um, so she's really talking about her daughter's um, lack of assertiveness and feeling that she needs to buy friendship. And that is a tricky place to be. And I think that she really needs to have some boundaries here. And, you know, she talks about her child gives away her stationery and then she has to keep buying more. So maybe the thing is that she is not going to buy any more. If her child gives it away, she's not going to buy any more. So there's a boundary there. And then the other thing is that she needs to ask her child, um, what do you think? What do you think? Maybe her child is looking for approval mm-hmm. outside of her um, and she needs to start asking her daughter what she thinks about certain things and examining if her child is waiting for approval in the home as well. Does her daughter do this at home as well as outside of home or is it only something she does at school? Mm. And I'd also want to chat to the child's teachers um, to see what they have to say about this and how her child is acting um, at school. And maybe it's just a way of acting out in order to get attention. So the question is, why is this child needing to constantly seek validation and attention? We also have a call from Peter in Pretoria on this issue of children and independence. Uh, Peter, good morning. Welcome to the show. Good morning, Gugu. Yes, Peter. And your guest there. Yeah, so my case is uh, it's regarding the independence of my child. The issue is my child is going to high school next year and he's, he's turning age 13. He's been attending school in the very same complex where he stays with the mom because me and her mom, his mom, we stay separately. So I've been looking for a better school for him for next year. I found one in Pretoria. They stay in Kempton Park. And the school, the reason I, I opted for the school is that it has got an international accreditation. So the end goal is at least to give me a better chance in life in the future. But then my wife says, no, he cannot travel alone to Pretoria. I'm saying, but he can because he'll be using how train. And the school is just next to how train, to and from. So when he comes back from school, he, the whole train station in Kempton Park is just next to where the mom works, so it's going to be easier. You let him ride on the whole train, he comes back, and you pick him pick him up there. So he says, no, he's still young, he can't. But I'm saying, no, when is he going to be independent? Because now he's still in 30. He's been walking to school, same complex, all these years. We need to give him that exposure. The end goal is, he, if he succeeds in the school, then he's got a better chance in life to even go over school. This first play and international accreditation. So, yeah, uh, we are at lower heads, me and the mom, <laughs> arguing about it. I don't know if I'm pushing it, but he's 13 next year. He can travel, and the hotel allows for 13 years to travel on their own. Wow. Yeah. Peter, what, a, what, an interesting, um, what an interesting case you put forward here. And I would just like to say that perhaps you and the mom and your son need to get on that car train and do the journey together and that will show everybody how easy it is how safe it is and i just have to uh, say that there are there are schools on the car train line in johannesburg that have attracted a huge following of children who literally car train in from pretoria um, so there are a lot of children who are using the car train to get between Pretoria and Johannesburg. And I think that you have a point there. It is part of, uh, you know, him safely 
uh, creating some independence or you create, helping him to create some independence using the car train. Um, I wouldn't have a problem with that, but I think that you need to, as a family, and despite the fact that you are separated or divorced, for this child, you are family. You need to do this together. And it's probably just an unfounded fear from the mum who's maybe never used the car train herself. And in her head, this is a big, bad enemy. And once she actually has an experience, she'll probably realize how quick and easy and safe and secure it is. No, thank you. Thank you. Uh, and maybe we should do that. I think we should just ride together. Make, yeah. a, make a date. Make a date yeah. and have lunch yeah. on one side or the other yeah. and have a family date. Yeah. I really think this is important. Even divorced and I separated families. What, what, what I'll do is I will suggest that one of these days we take a train together and go to the school and just, yes. you know, yes. Do the walkabout. Do the open yeah. day, the walkabout. I promise you familiarity will dispel a lot of the fears that I hear are coming up. Thank you. Mm. Thank you very much for that call, Peter. And just to follow up, Nikki, um, Peter was saying, you know, he is 13, so he's a teenager, so he's not a, a child anymore. Is 13 generally a good age to um, start allowing kids, for instance, to walk by themselves or take public transport or do like more stuff like that mm. without uh, parents? So we let out the kite strings little by little, okay? And it needs to be age-appropriate and risk-appropriate. So it depends on where you live. There's so many factors here. You know, how safe is your environment? Do you have a boy or a girl? There is so much here, you know, would you let your child Uber? I think this is another conversation that we should probably pick up next week. Nikki, always a pleasure chatting to you. And if parents want to uh, ask questions or continue this conversation, where can they find you? They can come and join me on Facebook at Parenting Matters. It's a closed group. Just click on the button to join and we will give you access. Nikki, thank you very much for your time this morning. Always good chatting to you.